listener. Welcome back to another episode of A Real Page Turner with Donnie Granza and Mara Maros. Hi, Donnie. Hello, Mara. It's good to be back. With yes. So this, this week we have a, an old one that is kind of a cult classic movie, The Princess Bride, which was written by William Goldman. And it's really titled The Princess Bride S. Morgan Stern's Classic Tale of True Love and High, and High Adventure, The Good Parts Version. And it was published in 1973. And you know, the, the structure it's, it's it's an adventure kind of romance comedy book, but it's the structure is the the author is telling the story to someone and cutting out what they think are extraneous parts. So there's you know some interjections by what it seems like someone who is reading it to a child. Um, so the book is kind of interesting, but I think more known is the movie, right, Donnie? Yeah, the movie came out in 1987. It was um it was directed by uh, directed and co-produced by Rob Reiner, and it was actually adapted by the author of the book, William Goldman, and it, feature, it features a, a very notable cast, including uh, Carrie Elways, Robin Wright, Mandy Patinkin, Chris Sarandon, Christopher Guest, even Andre the Giant, uh, Billy Crystal, or Carol Kane have cameo roles, and even Peter Falk and Fred Savage played the grandfather and grandson in like the framing device of it. So very, very notable cast. It was somewhat like of a box office success. It grossed over thirty million dollars and featured was really well received by credit received by critics. It did earn one Oscar nomination for the original song category. In 2016, it was uh, selected for inclusion in the National Film Registry for being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant by the Library of Congress. Yeah, and September 25th, it was its 35th anniversary of the movie. Yeah, so pretty, you know, nice time to do it. Nice time to do it now, so. Yeah, I had never seen this movie before, and I know I feel like it's something people quote from and say, you know, I think, you know, one of the the lines is like, inconceivable. And Vince Vincini's character keeps saying that when they're being chased by the man, the man in black. And I like that's something I think you hear people say. And, you know, I didn't really know where it was from. And so I thought that was funny in the movie. But I did like this movie. I did think it was funny. You know, it's like kind of like that slapstick comedy sometimes. And I was when I had watched the movie, like I was wondering if some of the dialogue was straight from the book or not or improvised and, and written for the movie. But it followed the book pretty closely. And for me, yeah. like watching the movie first, when I was reading the book, I found that funnier because I'm not like, it was funny when you read it, but I think having that frame of reference for me in the movie was made it even funnier where you could picture the actor saying that. Um, but I thought that was, you know, it's kind of a dry wit. That's funny. Yeah, definitely. Cause it is a pretty like notable quotes in the movie. Like there's, you know, the inconceivable. And I remember years ago, there was a commercial or something and the commercial was all filled with like movie quotes and, you know, famous movies movie quotes everything i remember watching it and i was able to pinpoint most of them but at one point in the commercial and i forget what uh, what it was for something it said someone goes inconceivable and i was like i have no idea where that's from and then later like i found out what it's from and there's also it's funny because when i watched the movie i also watched it with the commentary track from rob reiner and oh. at one point he talks about like some of the famous quotes from it like there's um mandy patinkin who says the, you know the line and says it several times 
times. I didn't realize he said it so many times. So it's like, my, my name is Inigo Montoya. Uh, you killed my father. Prepare to die. Yeah. You know, I, I've, I've heard of that. I've heard of that. And when I watched it, I didn't realize that he says it over and over again, which yeah. I thought was very funny. And, and he does it in the book, too. Like when he's going yes. to try to kill the count, he keeps saying it. Yeah. And I love me. I didn't realize Mandy Patinkin necessarily was in this. And then I'm watching it. We are watching it. And I said to my husband, is that Mandy Patinkin? Because I love him in Homeland. Yeah. And I just thought, I think he's great in Criminal Minds. So yeah. um, to see him in a role like this is completely like a departure from what I knew him. For. Yeah. I, I've never seen Homeland, but I venture, I guess, it's probably not that close to his character here. No. no very interesting. One thing that I love, uh, that I love, um, I, I love like the freight like the framing device, how they have, you know, the, the grandson's sick in bed and the grandfather comes now. The grandson's played by uh Wonder Year star Fred Savage and his grandfather is played by one of my all time favorite actors, uh Peter Falk, who many know for his iconic role as Columbo. So I was a huge fan of Columbo, so I was like every like when he came on screen, I was like I was in awe. I'd love him and, and it's funny, like he passed away years years ago. He was eighty some years old. And I remember in the Oscars in memoriam uh, section when they included him they showed they included a part from Princess Pride where he says the uh, the as you wish line that he says to his grandson at the end of the film which I thought was nice because he had you know he was he had so many he was in lots and lots of mo- uh, movies he was like nominated for a couple Oscars and that's in this part like it was like wasn't the biggest part but probably one of the most notable parts of his career I probably liked him the best out of any character in this movie. Yeah. And I, the one difference though I saw is also when we, when we look at the movie is that it ends sooner than it would have in the book. Like the book has a lot more to the ending with like Buttercup's baby and some of the add-ons and then getting to One Tree Island, like how they're getting away and they go through the whirlpool. And that's really not included in the movie. It kind of ends much sooner. And I don't know if that's just a attention span thing of, of movie watchers, something of time, because I know we talked about this, you know, a lot on a lot of our episodes episodes is that, you know, this is a comedy and I think it was right around like 90 minutes. So it's like, how much extra did you want to add? But the book has quite a, you know, quite a few more chapters and details after their escape. Yeah. The, uh, definitely, like I, it's like this is, a, this is a great point about like you know comedies tend to be shorter, so you do have to uh, kind of make some cuts. So I think you know they did a good job at uh, making the necessary cuts and getting it down to the appropriate runtime. And- yeah, so I mean, I really, I mean, I liked it. And I like Robin Wright Penn. And I think she's great. You know, I don't, I don't know if you watch House of Cards, but she's been on House of Cards, which is amazing. And I, I really liked her. This, and she looks, I think she was really young. I think she was like 19 or 20, maybe 21 with this movie. You know, and I thought Andre the Giant, of course, is amazing, is great and, um, in this role of Fezzik. And I think, you know, we, we don't know as much about them, of course, in the movie as you do in the book, because there is a lot of backstory to the book. And, you know, traditionally, I think, you know, you know me by the, by now in some of these episodes, is that I like backstory, which is usually why I like the book better. But in this case, I think with this movie, you didn't need a lot of backstory. You know, you didn't yeah. miss it. Like if you hadn't read the book, you weren't missing out by watching the movie. Like it, you can watch one without in the other and be okay. And you can watch the movie and not have re- and have read the book and not feel like there's something you don't. Yeah, it's sort of like, like backstory is kind of tricky because obviously you know it can be very important, and especially in a book, and it can you know can help you understand motivations and that. 
that to the but like i do felt like the book had a bit too much backstory like i remember reading a part and they go into like Padre the giant's character fezzik and his whole backstory and his childhood growing up how he was so much bigger than all the kids in his class and how he was made fun of and like it like yeah somewhat like understandable but i was like it didn't feel like it was that necessary like obviously he was you know a very very large man much bigger than everyone else so kind of like yeah we know that oh he he was bigger than all the kids uh, growing up shocker oh yeah we knew that (laughs) we could kind of surmise that yeah it's not like he he grew seven feet in a year (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i think in the dynamic between like fezzik and indigo montoya and vizzini like you know that vizzini is the leader and he's telling them what to do you know you don't necessarily need all the backstory around why that is and how he saved indigo montoya who had you know, been heavily drinking in the book and Fezzik, you don't really need, need all that. You get that he's the group leader for one reason or another, but I like, you know, so I think you, you don't need all that, but I, you know, the book is good. You just, you get, you get more, but it's not necessarily something that you need to translate into the film. Yeah, exactly. What are your thoughts on like Carrie Elway's and his character? I think he's a riot. Like, I think he's very deadpan. Like, he's really funny, but not like in a way that is obvious. Like, I found, like, I find him to be very dry, but I thought it was funny. And I liked the physical comedy at the end where they try to bring him back from the dead and his like body is like flopping and they're like holding him up. And then he gets a little bit of motion back. Like, I think that's really well done as far as like the physical comedian part, which I liked, but I liked Carrie Ellis. I thought he was really funny. Yeah. Yeah. A fan of his. Like one of my all-time favorite TV shows is Psych, and he has a uh, recurring role. He's kind of like this. I don't know if you've ever seen Psych. He has this. Uh, I have it. Starts off as this like criminal kind of adversary to the main character Sean and Gus in the police department, but they wind up growing this like respect for each other. So he's in like several like episodes of that, and it's like, and character seems like kind of uh, somewhat similar to Princess Bride. So I wonder like what you know when the psych writers were trying to like somewhat base it off of it because uh, the very kind of like you know witty and somewhat sarcastic type, type that it'll seem very very similar so uh, it was funny because I knew he was in this and I was sort of like how different it would be from this character because that's really the only thing I knew him from and I think Saw the movie the horror movie Saw which I'm not a fan of so I didn't no, know, I so that that's a little different but I think Billy Crystal is hilarious and Carol Kane. Like, I think they're very funny. Their characters do get a little bit more play and backstory in the book. You you get more of their relationship and in the book, which... You know, it was nice. It was good. But I thought Billy Crystal is, of course, hilarious and almost unrecognizable. It's like his voice that gives it away. And Carol Kane is the same. I thought their pairing was, you know, exceptional. They were so funny. Yeah. Obviously, I, I love Billy Crystal. And yeah, Billy Crystal and Rob Reiner are like very, very good friends. I think. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I remember seeing like an interview or something, and Billy Crystal had appeared on an episode of All in the Family when Rob Reiner was on it, and that, that's how they met and became great friends, and you know, acted in movies together, and he directed several, uh, you know, Rob like directed Billy in several movies and, and that. So, so this almost seemed like kind of like a favor to a friend, like doing this part, and I think like it was a small, small part that. Yeah, you're right. It does. Uh, they do have more backstory in the in the book, but really like just 
nailed it. And and, it and was I liked li- Chris Sarandon as Prince Humberdink. Yes, yes. I thought he was funny, and I really don't remember him. For, like his face is familiar, and like I feel like I've seen him places, but not not things that I really would that I think I've watched. But he is he is really good in it. I really like you know he plays a good villain. Yeah, he said like yeah I've seen him in a couple of things, notably uh like ch- Child's Play. <laughs> yeah, ch- Chucky. <laughs> That's uh it's kind of the only thing I, I remember of him, but obviously he's a much different. Much different different role but yeah he but yeah the kind of cockiness as far as the film goes i did like a lot of like the aesthetics of it like the technical aspects or something like i want because i was kind of surprised because I, I mentioned that it was nominated for an oscar for uh, uh the song the uh, not original song i think it was a song that played over the credits and that and i was like i'm surprised like like it didn't earn like additional nominations i thought it would have been like nominated for like its costumes and maybe like makeup for billy crystal calcane's characters like the for the like the makeup effects so it's kind of surprised that it didn't it didn't so yeah and it it almost you know and it kind of it reminds you a lot of like a lot of the other kind of 80-ish movies that were out you know like labyrinth it almost has like that feel to it i mean not as dark obviously and the and i mean dark by like cinematic standards like i feel like labyrinth is the has a dark feeling to it when you're watching it like where this doesn't really feel that way. You know, sometimes like with cinematography, it feels like there's not enough light in the background, but it reminds me a little bit of like kind of the labyrinth type of movies. Yeah, that's an interesting observation. Yeah, I could, could definitely. The labyrinth is a movie I've only seen bits and pieces of. So, I, oh, or like yeah, I love so, labyrinth, or the other one that I really like is the never ending story. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's that kind of like, well. and so it's funny because I can't believe like I've never really seen this one because those are some of my favorite ones. Like the never ending story was like 1984 and Labyrinth was 86. So like they're kind of on the same, same time frame. and maybe I've seen this one and I just didn't remember it. Or, you know, the other ones have more of a young protagonist in them. And I say like, you know, it's not a story about adults it's more a story about the other ones are more a story like children on a quest. So, you know, it's a little bit, it's obviously they're all different themes and movies, but it's kind of funny that. That I don't remember seeing this one in the same time, kind of in the same, I would say, genre and time period, although the other two aren't as really funny. They're more adventure. I really like this. I'm glad like we did this one and got to watch it because it's something that I haven't seen. Yeah, it was uh, it's something like this is like rather like hard, hard to do because like when you're like combining genres like this, like it's an action adventure movie, but at the core, it's still a comedy. So, you know, and I know I've talked about Rob Reiner in the past. This is the first uh, film of his uh, we we've done, and we did Stand by Me a couple weeks ago, and do have other films of his on the docket. <laughs> At least one other, I think, that we will get to. I won't reveal it, but yeah, it's de- definitely because he has like kind of an eclectic filmography because he did uh this and i mentioned stand by me and he did a few good men in that the he's not a pigeonhole director by any means like he's always done uh you know like if you watch like a martin scorsese movie you can kind of tell it's his or something but like rob ryan was kind of all over the place <laughs> and i just want to go back to robin wright penn for a minute i think this was only her second movie as buttercup you know her first one was like hollywood vice squad in 86 but then she did the princess bride in 87 
seven. So, and I felt like we talked about this with the outsiders. Like it's always nice to see people who maybe haven't done as much. And now you go back and watch a movie and you're like, oh, like that's kind of where they started or was one of their biggest kind of breaks necessarily. I mean, she had been on a soap opera, but you know, this one really led her to like success in like Forrest Gump and, you know, some other movies that, that, you know, she did after that. But this was one of her first like movies that kind of made her have some success to be looked at. But, you know, I I really liked her in this movie and she didn't have as many funny parts of the movies. Hers was more of a serious kind of role. Like she didn't have as many of the funny lines. Right. But I I really enjoyed her in this movie. Yeah. She, um, she was like a straight man. Yeah. Exactly. I, you know, hark it back to my uh, pa- my uh, thesis paper about the straight man and comedic relief. That yeah, it does. Uh, you know, that is a uh, very tried and true method for for comedy. And yeah, probably like in in her character, like the way the character is written, it's kind of hard to have you know very funny lines. But you know, she's kind of used as like the the balance to the film to for the other like more outrageous characters to show to bounce off of. Yeah. Yeah. So. Anything else we wanted to talk about with this movie or book? Yeah, it was a very funny movie. And the book, you know, book was definitely like unique. I didn't, you know, like it. It did seem to drag at some times. Like I, like I mentioned, like with the too much backstory of that. Overall, like I was just like impressed with how how close it was related. There weren't too, too many differences. That's a, like the ones you mentioned. And like one of the biggest differences that, that we didn't mention is that in the book, I believe it's the uh, the kid's father reading to it to him, not the grandfather so but i think you know but obviously i'm okay with that because i mentioned my love for for peter falk that that. but i do think like that kind of works or something like like is a grandfather you know yeah a grandfather reading it's kind of like more just works a little better for me yeah i thought i thought it really worked yeah i liked it a lot and it's and it's funny because this is a a very relevant you know for me at this time because i've been uh i've been sick in bed the last couple (laughs) of days uh with uh with covid so i was like oh this is the perfect like relevant movie to do (laughs) you want someone to to come and read you a story (laughs) yes i was waiting even virtually right (laughs) Oh, well, I'm glad you're feeling better. And we were able to get our our episode done for today. It's not not fun being stuck inside with COVID. Yeah, yeah. Well, two and a half years is bound to happen. Right. (laughs) Eventually. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. All right, well, then. good. Well, I am, you know, glad we got to do this one. I really enjoyed it. It was, you know, a nice break from some serious books and movies we have done and a little bit of a reprieve. Yeah. yeah. Very nice. Well, thanks, Donnie. And thanks, listener. And until next week, keep reading and keep watching. Oh.